Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Good evening. Please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Now we've read from a different passage of Scripture than we typically read from on Christmas Eve. Typically we read from a gospel. But tonight we've read from the book of Titus. And we've done so because I believe that the message of Christmas comes in between verses 3 and 4 of Titus chapter 3. Titus 3, 3 reads, We were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, and slaves to our desires and various pleasures too. We were spending our lives in evil behavior and jealousy. We were disgusting, and we hated other people. But... When God, our Savior's kindness and love appeared, he saved us because of his mercy, not because of righteous things we had done. Titus 3 reminds us of the sinfulness of the world, of the brokenness of the world, of the brokenness of our lives, things that we do that harm us, the things that we do that harm others reminds us of all the sadness and the sickness and the pain of our world. We don't need to be convinced of that reality, do we? We don't need to be convinced of the realities of Titus 3, verse 3. But then, in verse 4, because of our Savior's kindness and love appearing, we've received mercy. Again, not because of the things that we've done, but because of God's righteousness. So again, the message of Christmas exists in between the brokenness of verse 3 and the hope of verse 4. And so what we will do tonight is simply tell this story. Tell this story of Christ coming into the midst of our brokenness, the midst of our broken lives and our broken world, and offering us the love, the joy, the hope, and the peace of Christmas. And now we read from a more familiar passage that's often read on Christmas Eve. It comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. Now, it mentions that Joseph is of David's family line. And if you were to read Matthew's gospel, 
you'd see in chapter one, there's a genealogy of Jesus. Now, often in a genealogy, particularly a royal genealogy or a genealogy of anyone who's of note, you'd list all of the celebrated figures. You'd sanitize your list. You wouldn't include anyone who's disreputable in that list. Well, Jesus's list includes disreputable people or at least folks who've made questionable decisions. It also includes males and females. Now, why is that interesting? Well, in the time, in those times, you most often only list males in a genealogy. So what does this mean? Well, I think it means that Jesus's family is an inclusive one. It recognizes that we are all uh, sinners, but we're also all accepted. No matter who we are, no matter what our, our gender, no matter what we've done in the past, we're all part of God's family. And that's what Matthew's trying to communicate to us. We'll continue reading here in verse 4, excuse me, verse 5. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby, and she gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly, and laid him in a manger, because there is no place for them in the guest room. Now, oftentimes, when we imagine Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem, we imagine them trying to stay in a hotel where there was no room for them. But most often, people would try to stay with a relative in their guest room. In the scripture that I just read for us, it references that there was no place for them in the guest room or the kataluma in Greek. Now, during these times, homes were built of stone with a wood roof, either one story or two stories. And there would be a guest room that sometimes doubled as a storage room. And then there was a room to the side that during the day was used for eating and during the evening was used for sleeping. But then there's this open area that during the day was used for work. And in the evening, you'd bring in your animals, you'd lay down some straw so that they could be protected. And then you'd have water there and maybe food in the trough or the manger. Well, because the guest room was already full, either with other guests or maybe with items that they were used for using for storage. Maybe you know how this can happen to a guest room. Mary and Joseph stayed in this open area with the straw down on the ground, animals over to the side. They cleared out the manger and laid baby Jesus there in the manger. This is the period equivalent of crashing on the couch, maybe crashing on the couch in the unfinished basement. And nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angels stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were, understandably, terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great assembly of heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Can you imagine it? They were working the night shift 
and an angel speaks to you and then you see all of these heavenly beings celebrating a great assembly praising God absolutely breathtaking but it also reminds us of this spiritual world around us angels they are heavenly beings always praising God and celebrating what God is doing when the angels returned to heaven the shepherds said to each other let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us they went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger when they saw this they reported what they had been told about the child everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them I love it that shepherds were ones, the first ones to announce to others the birth of Christ. They gave the first Christmas message. I love the characters that God chooses to share God's message. Now, these shepherds were everyday normal folks. They'd not been trained to be public speakers. They're not trained preachers. So what was amazing was not the people who communicated the message, unlikely the people who communicated the message, but, but they were not amazing. Their, their elocution was not amazing. What was amazing is the message, this message that Christ has come into the world. The Savior of the world has been born. I think sometimes many of us feel like we're just normal people. Now we've most of us haven't been trained to preach the gospel in ways in which people would say, "Wow, their words, her words, astounded me." She's such an amazing preacher. He's such an amazing preacher. The power is in the message. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. And I'll skip down to verse 25. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. Now this is a few days after Jesus has been born. He was a righteous and devout man. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all people. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. It's lovely. Simeon, this older fellow who longs to see something different in the world, longs to see the restoration of Israel. A Simeon is one who knows well the tensions, the sadness, the pain, the brokenness, uh, 
of Titus 3, verse 3. He's longed to see something different in the world. He's longed to see salvation. He's longed to see the Lord's Christ. And the Spirit rested on him, Scripture says. The Spirit enabled him to know things and see things that you wouldn't know or see unless the Spirit rested on you. So he's moved by the Spirit and he and he recognizes that this child that Mary is holding is the Christ. This is the one who will bring salvation. But not only to Israel, as many expect, but this is a child who will be a light for the Gentiles too. So what's being communicated here is that salvation is for everyone. The salvation, this light that has come into the world is for the entire world. This gift of Christmas is an inclusive one. It's a love that includes everybody. Again, Titus 3 verse 4 says, But when God, our Savior's kindness and love appeared, He saved us. That's why we're here. This is the meaning of Christmas. This is the, the gift of Christmas. God working through Jesus Christ has saved us because God loves us. Whenever anyone asks God, well, who do you love? God mentions your name. I pray that you would deeply know the love of God for you this Christmas season. When there are times in your life that you're less kind toward yourself or maybe less kind toward others, I pray that the kindness of God would wash across your life and help you to be kinder toward yourself and kinder to others. I pray that you would know the mercy of God and that this mercy and that this kindness, this love and grace of God would be the gift that continues to bless you, continues to transform your life. This is the simple message. This is the simple gift of Christmas. There's no power in this world, no power in this universe that is stronger than love. And there's no love that's stronger than God's love toward us. May you know this love. And may you have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you, and we hope to see you soon.